Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Welcome, welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast. Explore the mind of MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner, Brett Boone, as he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Now, now, up to to bat, Brett Boone. Welcome to the Boone Podcast. I'm Brett Boone, and today on the program, I'm joined by a two-time All-Star. He's a World Series champion, currently does TV work for the Chicago Cubs, a marquee network. Off the mound, he's got his night night show. He's doing intentional talk. Him and Kevin Millar uh, host that. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Ryan Dempster. Ryan, thanks really? for coming on the program, man. Yeah, dude, great to be with you. It was, uh, it was awesome to catch up with you in Seattle and see you, and, uh, and I'm glad this worked out. It's awesome. Very cool. Uh, right out of the gate, I want you, you – you watch these Cubs on a daily basis – the National League Central to me, uh, very intriguing going in, just like the American League Central. The two weakest divisions, I thought, going into the 2023 season. And if you would have told me two, three months ago, you'd have three teams alive in the Central battling for postseason, I'd say, you're crazy. It's going to come out of the East. It's going to come out of the West. But now all of a sudden, you got Milwaukee the t- at the top, Cubs and Cincinnati uh, both battling for not only the division, but a wild card. You see it on a daily basis. Give me your take on all three, uh, especially we're gonna we're gonna concentrate on Chicago because that's your team. Uh, but I want to I want to know what what Ryan Dempster sees. Um, I'm ca- I, I'm kind of keeping a soft eye on it. Yeah. I want to see what you see it on a daily basis. Yeah, I, I think uh, you know. Really, I was just talking about it with uh, with some guys that are at MLB. I think it's like quietly kind of going to be the race that everybody's going to be watching in September. You know, there was all this, oh, look at the Diamondbacks out west with the Dodgers. And Dodgers are just doing what they do and they're running away with it. This is the this is kind of going to be the premier race. Um, and teams that like maybe unexpected, right? Cincinnati a little bit unexpected, I think, even on their own end, um, as far as where they were timing-wise. That's why I don't think you saw a lot of trades from them because they're like, we don't want to give up the talent we have. We'd much rather just build from that. Um, they're, they pitch better than people realize. Um, you know, offensively, they're good, but they're built a little bit like speed and doubles. Uh, you know, they don't have a guy on the team with over 20 home runs, but man, are they fun to watch? Like you look at Dela Cruz, like they came into town in Chicago. I went over and watched those series. Matt McClain. I was like, oh, this kid absolutely rakes Spencer Steer. You know, you got a good combination of kind of veteran guys with young guys. Um, and then you go to the top, Milwaukee, they're they're just good, man. Like, Craig Council knows what he's doing. Like, you know how you, you sit there and players play, right? Players win and lose games. I get that. That is true. But when you have somebody that knows what they're doing managing, they they win and lose ball games for you. And, and Craig Council does a great job of winning ball games. He manages the bullpen probably as good as anybody in baseball, so they pitch. Like, they got Corbin Burns. They got Freddie Peralta. They got, you know, Wade Miley's having a really good year for them. And then you go to the back in the bullpen. Um, so they're always going to be there. And it's going to be fun because they play the Cubs in two more series, including the last series of the season. Like that would be, wouldn't that be exciting? Up in Milwaukee, those two teams going at it for the division. Who knows? Um, and then right here in Chicago, like, Bruni, the, the, these Cubs swing it, man. Like, they don't like they thump, man. They've been especially since the All Star break. It's nuts. Like they just they they hit home runs, they hit doubles, they don't strike out a lot. Um, they're they're good. They go take the extra base on the base pass. Cody Bellinger is healthy now. We're seeing well, same thing we saw when he 
you know, was tearing the cover off the ball, winning rookie of the year and MVP, those kind of things. Um, then you've got baseball players, Dansby Swanson, Nico Horner. These guys, they just do the little things. They'll go the other way when need be. You get 2-0 when you think you can group a fastball, they're going to pop you to left field. So, um, And then they, they pitch too. So just three good ball clubs, you know, in my, in my opinion – um, there's a, a team in there that could possibly get hot and be great come October. Um, but these are three really good ball clubs that I'm excited because, you know, I'm going to be there a lot in September over there watching games and it's going to be bumping at Wrigley and um, around the whole NL Central. These some, some good baseball to be played. I'm interested to watch these Cubs because we had David Ross on before before this season, and he said, "Booney, we're going to be better than you think." They made some offseason acquisitions, but but they weren't those marquee. You got the Dansby Swanson was was the, was the one of the big free agents of the offseason, but a bunch of the other moves were kind of under the radar type stuff. Bellinger, you mentioned. I mean, he's hitting three twenty eight, and the last two years have been real rough for him. Before that, prior MVP, he's back to that form. Obviously doing a great job for him Hendricks has been that that guy that just keeps doing it you know he kind of pitches like it's 1997 and it's awesome for me as a connoisseur as a fan of the game to watch uh to not just oh he's throwing a you know he's throwing a hundred with a slot no he's pitching and he's been pitching for a long time it's fun for me to watch guys like that Strom has kind of been that guy that He's been that controversial guy that just kind of keeps getting it done. I know he's on the IL now, but that's going to be a fun race. And uh, for me, interesting that it's that it is a race. Like I said, for me, starting the season, I thought it was going to be East West. There's been a lot of disappointments, you know, the Mets and and the Padres for the rosters that that they had put together before the season have it come to fruition. So uh, very well, cool. And go ahead. No, no, just like how you're talking about, like. You know, we get so caught up in the game of who throws hard, and this guy throws a hundred, and this guy, cool. You know, if I if I took a doesn't job, matter, you know, doesn't matter if you can't locate in there, and I shot them all down and away to you by the third bullet, you're gonna rifle it to right center field. Like mm -hmm. guys can hit fastballs, so if you don't locate, and I think that's you know when you talked about the rotation, Kyle Hendricks doesn't blow you away with velocity. Same with Marcus Stroman. Same with Justin Steele. They just go about their business of just executing pitches, and it. And, you know, I think David's done a really good job of that with those players of having them buy in and understand that, that really all that matters. Like he said to us, I remember this, I'll never forget it in Boston. When we won in 2013 and we kind of hit this tiny little lull. We didn't hit many lulls this year. And we, we started kind of pitching unaggressively, a little bit timid, you know, just trying to be too cute. And he just stood up in a pitcher's meeting and said, guys, listen, you got to throw a fastball. In a fastball count when everybody in the ballpark knows you have to throw a fastball, including the hitter. And he goes, you just have to execute it. You do that, you get guys out. And then we started doing that, and then we went on a roll the end of the year. And that's that's basically it. It's not always about, as we see, look, man, you go out to the Angel, you got Shohei Otani, and Anthony Rendon's hurt, Mike Trout's hurt. Like, great, you have all the big names, but you're not winning. New York Mets, you sit here and you get all these high-priced free agents. Awesome. You're not winning. San Diego spent $300 million on multiple players, 280 on another. You're not winning. It's not about always just the best quote unquote player on paper. You gotta, right. you gotta put together a team and a system, and then you gotta go out and you have to execute. And if you don't execute, you lose. The guy on the other side of the field will beat you. That's just facts. It is funny. We always go on paper. Well, that's all we have to go on, you know. And <laughs> and, and I'm sure this happens to you all the time. Well, boy, hey, you know, you I know mean, a little. Go I ahead. That with paper, real it, quick. Man. Exactly. Yeah. And I, this happens to you, I'm sure, all the time. People come me, well, Booney, you, you you probably know a little bit more than the rest of us. I said, all I could do, give me your personnel. I could tell you my best analysis of it. But at the end of the day, if I knew that much more than you, I'd just take a million dollars out of the bank, go sit in Vegas, and win every game because exactly. it would be that easy. It, yeah. It's not. You know, the, the Padres, perfect example. And and being asked about the Padres, you know, I'm I'm still living in San Diego. It's like what you see from a from a roster doesn't make sense of how they're playing. This this one through nine offensive team shouldn't be middle of the pack, shouldn't be down on the offensive categories for the National League. Then again, they pitch really good. Mm -hmm. And I look at that pitching staff, they shouldn't pitch as good as they do, but they do. Uh 
all when you put it all together, they're way out in the division. They're probably it's going to be a stretch for them to be a wild card this year. So you're right. On paper, it just doesn't matter. You never know. Yep. No, it's just it's just the way it is. I mean, we can sit there and draw it up, but you know, it comes down to it at the end of the day. Like, how how bad do you want it? You know, like. When you're scratching and clawing for that glue, you know, you want that that bread at the end of the day. But when you already got the bread and everybody's got the bread, you know, it's like who wants it? Yeah, who wants more? That's how hungry point. are you when you're just shoving loaves in your mouth, you know? That's right. That's a great point. Um, I want to talk about Ryan Dempster, the pitcher, now in the booth, what you see on a daily basis. The game is changing. Uh the white box that they put on the screen every day. I don't know about you. Drives me absolutely crazy. Everybody's a professional now. If it just ticks the box, oh, that's a strike. But when you get back to what is a ball, what is a strike? I feel bad for these umpires to a degree. Uh, I had Tim Cheetah on the show, uh, 25-year veteran. Uh, I always liked Cheetah. I don't know what your interpretation was him from the pitching standpoint. He told me, he said, Brett, fundamentally – the umpires today are better than they've ever been from a fundamental standpoint. What I see the data behind the scenes, how they train, what their strike zone is said. They're the best I've ever seen, but they're so scrutinized. They're so criticized. They have this entertainment thing, this white box for everybody to see. So every single pitch of every single game is scrutinized like never before in our day. It was as a hitter and I'll take the hitters perspective. I want you to take the pitchers perspective. I come to the plate, I expect establish your zone early in the first inning or two. Tell me if you're going to be given the low strike, a little off the plate away. That means you can't give it off the plate in. You got to be pretty true on the inside. But as long as you establish your zone from a hitter's perspective, and I know what that zone is, and you stay true to it, I'm going to live with what your strike zone is individually. It's different now. It's different now. Take me through the pitcher side of that. Yeah, I, I, and it has evolved differently. Like, I, you know, I remember at a bat actually um, <clears throat> that I that I had, and, and Fielding Colbert was it, the home plate umpire. I was I was pitching to uh, I believe it was Corey Dickerson. He just came up with the Rockies in 2013, and I had this really really good at bat with him. He was battling, fighting off pitches, and I backdoor uh, you know a cutter three two, and I'm talking like maybe this much off the plate. Like it it was. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna say it wasn't a ball or it wasn't a strike. It was a ball just off the plate. That being said, I had a discussion with Fielding after the after the inning, and he was like, and I was like, this kid doesn't have enough dirt on his spikes. I've been playing in this league for 16 years. That's my pitch. And you know, he said to me, he said Ryan, we don't look at it that way anymore, and it shouldn't be that way. But the strike zone is the strike zone. Whether you've played 10 years or 20 years or somebody's played two days. We try to call it fair. And it was a great way to, A, he disarmed me because mm-hmm. that's that's the reality, right? Those days are gone. Like the days of, you know, oh, you know you've been around versus a rookie are gone. Um, and, and I agree with you. Like if there is an established strike zone and that's how it is, like I don't like it when an umpire is calling this pitch away all day, even as a pitcher, and now he throws a pitch inside and he rings a guy up and it's like, hey, you can't have – can't stretch the plate. If you're going to stretch it to one side, you got to either maintain it or bring it in a little bit from the other side. But it, it is a hard world, man. It's like these guys, these these umpires are, are scrutinized on every pitch, like you said. It happens in real time. The video room yells because they hear it up the tunnel to the dugout. Now the dugout's yelling and everybody's chirping. And it's like another thing. This is, this is what drives me nuts from a pitcher's standpoint. And even just from a fan standpoint. You can't swing at two sliders in the dirt and then say that that pitch was this far off the plate away. You right. know? Like, like you can't do that. It's just not right. It's like your your knowledge of the strike. Like Albert Pools didn't chase the ball in the dirt. Barry Bonds didn't spin. When you're locked in, dude, you're just like on the slider away. So you know where the strike zone's at. Some guys like sit there. And then two, you're leaving chance. You're leaving chance to a human. There's an element there. Right. And he goes and blinks. Well, of course he's going to miss the pitch. But it's three, two, whatever happened to protect, and then it's this. Well, it's a ball. It's two inches off the plate. Like, you're telling me that you can get back behind the plate and you're going to be perfect? No, not a chance. Not a player out there. It's hard. It's very hard to umpire. It's been hard forever. It's the it's a reality. And these guys are throwing harder. You know, uh, the ball, They and the young guys, I, I give them this, man. 
they have an unbelievable knowledge of the strike zone. But just understand, when you leave it to two strikes and you think that pitch is just a little bit away, the umpire might see it differently. The catcher might frame it properly. So, yeah, it's this just interesting kind of dynamic that's happening. And and then you're right. They get over-scrutinized and, like, you know, then guys get sensitive, you know. Like, it's one thing, like, you're broke. You're the manager? Cool. That's your job to protect the players and get thrown out. But, like, we can't have players walking away to their dugout. And even if they say something, it's like your kid who goes to their room, you send them to their room, you've already sent them to their room. They're already, yeah, you've already punched them out. They've already made an out on a pitch that maybe was a ball. Why do you need to feel the effects of throwing them out of the game? Like, these are major league games. These are worth millions of dollars in wins for teams or players or whatever it is, for fans. You know, one player you eliminate from a roster because he said you stunk, cool, he's walking away. Now you get in my face and you start chirping at me or you start pointing, you start making references, or you call me names you shouldn't be saying or saying things. I get it. But don't be so sensitive towards the emotions of the player. We can be sensitive, but we've done that to them. Put the box up, it, we show replay after replay. We constantly talk. When do we ever get down a game and being like, what a great job that umpire did? Never. They're like a guy just boot 40 straight field goals and nobody says boo to them. They don't even interview them after the game. But the minute they mess up once, they want a new kicker. And it's the same thing with umpires. So, yeah, I, I do feel for them. It's not an easy job and it's, and it's tough. But just maybe just right when you feel like you want to throw somebody out of the game, just be like, is this, is this really necessary? Like, do we really have to do this? Hey, managers, throw them out all day long. You know, we don't need them to win games as players anyways. That's true. A um, couple good points you made. And uh, the game has changed. The umpires have changed. When I came to the big leagues, it was uh, the Eric Gregg days. Dude, remember, I was going to say that. Not only that, Booney. So, Hulk, you're, were you on that? You weren't on that team in 97, were you? No. No, you were, yeah, you were Cincinnati then. So that game where he punches LeVon Hernandez strikes. Outside. Oh, it's unbelievable. Right? Unbelievable. You know what's more unbelievable than that? More unbelievable than the strikeouts and the strike zone. For all the people at home, go back and watch Hall of Famers Fred McGriff, Hall of Famers Chipper Jones when they get punched out. They don't say boo to the umpire. And he's calling pitches this far outside. I'm just like, yeah, I got it. You know, give it to my guy too. And we're good. Give it to my, as long as you stick with it. And that's what it was. I came up though. You talk about the, the rookie and, and that rookie first veteran. When I came up in 92, oh, it was big time rookie veteran. And, and I've told this story probably to nausea and people are, are probably sick of me telling it, but I came to the big leagues and Eric Gregg, every time I'd face it, man, it was like, ha, huh, anything close. So I'm sitting in Pittsburgh one night. I go across the river. I'm at a bar. Eric Gregg's there smoking a stogie, big hat on. You know, I've got like a month in the big leagues. I send a beer over to Eric Gregg, and then I pull up a seat next to him. I sit next to him. I look at him. I said, Eric, he goes, Booney, what's going on? Thanks for the beer. I said, you're welcome. I said, I got one question for you, man. What the hell did my dad ever do to you for you to treat me this way? So I made it. I kind of turned the table on him and got him defend. What do you talk about? I love I love me some Bobby Boone. I remember it. We have a nice conversation about 10 minutes. I leave for the rest of my career with Eric Gregg. If it was close ball every time. But that's how it was back then. It was it was the it was the good old boys. They took care it was, of it. If it was it, gamesmanship, it was part of the chess match. It was part of the chess well, match, and then it's been changing. That's why you always see guys who talks to umpires come. You know, maybe some Verlanders and Scherzers and those guys, Kershaw. But like guys wouldn't banter. I remember coming up, and you would be like, "Hey, you really have that pitch outside? Like, I don't think that pitch is outside." You know, and then it's like, okay. And if you did it respectfully, they respected that you were paying attention. And then there was this. There was a little bit of gamesmanship to it, and that and that was okay. Believe me, I and I teach the young kids today. If I'm asked, I said, especially you're a middle infielder. I said these umpires are your friends. See that guy at second base tonight? He's going to be behind the dish in two days from now. Mm -hmm. And for me, you know, if we're going to politic, 
It's like, I want him to have at least a favorable opinion of me when I come to the plate. So when that human element, when it's right on the corner and you don't know what you're going to call, I want him to have good feelings of Brett Boone. So, yeah. so it's ball. Yeah. Because it could go the other way. He doesn't mean anything. He didn't predetermine that, but it's just human nature. And I want to, it's so tough out there. I want to have every advantage I could possibly have. I don't know about you as a pitcher, uh, you don't have the access that we have on a daily basis. So when I go out to a, to a uh, I got a four game series. I had that. I had the advantage of having that interaction with that second base. Hey, where are you going to eat tonight? You know, do you ever try this place? Just little small talk. Yeah, I know in two nights he's going to be behind the plate. And from the time I was young till the time I retired, I had a really good relationship with the umpires. The umpires, they're scrutinized. Uh, some guys, yeah, some guys are terrible, just like in anything. In big league yep. baseball, you got great players, you got average players, and you got guys that aren't that good. They're at the bottom of the rung for the big league from a big league talent pool. It's same way with umpires. You've got the best in the game, you've got everybody else, and then you got the guys, they're not very good. It's just the way it is. Doesn't mean they're not trying as hard as everybody else, but they're just not the best umpires. Um, but I had that relationship. I tried to have it. Yeah. No, it's funny you say that. I remember talking about the human element along kind of the same lines of that your Eric Gregg story was I always liked before a start to just chill, like just find kind of a space, whether that was close my eyes for 30 minutes, you know, or something. And Alex Fernandez, who was my teammate with the Marlins, he's like, you want a place to go chill, go to the umpire's room. They don't get there till later. Take a nap on the couch and have Kel wake you up when he knows they're coming. So I would go sit in, the, in their lounge, and you know, as a quiet space, and I'd be waking up and getting ready to leave as they would be coming in. And so there was never – I was never like, you're going to do me a solid tonight. Like, no, I'm, listen, I'm on a fair game. But it's like, it's like something in sales. Like I can try and sell you something over the phone, but if we're face-to-face, man, you bring that human element in, I'm like, hey, you know what? I'll buy some of that. It's the same thing with the umpires. When I got to see them say, hi, where would you guys eat last night? What happened? Nothing. We never even talked baseball. It was just life. Now you bring a little bit of human element in, and if that's one pitch in a game that right, exactly, that's all it is. And I know they want to get rid of that, but that you know that was for me part of the part of the fun of it all. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You think, uh, I, I think it's, I think it's just a matter of time. You think we're going to go to that, that electronic strike zone? Yeah. Not that I want it. You, no. you know, go ahead. They're doing it in the minor leagues so quick, right? Like, yeah. it's closed, tap the helmet, the umpire looks up, boom, right. it's done like that. I think you always need the umpires out there, like, you know, organized chaos. If not, like, you need you need some authority there. And, like, you know, on, on a general whole, they, they make the right calls, as we see. I mean, when you're talking umpires and it's 90, 90%, I mean, they're, they're generally right. But I think it's just a matter of time before we have that, um, that element where they're going to, you know, challenge pitches and stuff like that i'm just more interested on like things so like if you're challenging the pitches and it's a uh, you know what if it's a stolen base attempt and the guy takes off and the umpire calls it a ball so the catcher doesn't throw it down and then oh i want to check that and it ends up being a strike and right right that's you know, a good there's, point there's going to be a lot of play play things within the game that you have to play it out you can't just take a break because you thought it was a ball because it's gonna it's gonna alter you know strikes and balls but um yeah i I think we just we're striving for perfection. I don't know if we're going to get there. You know, that's kind of always been the beauty of it. Um, but it also has been the heartbreak of it, right? Like you get rung up on a pitch in a big situation that's not a strike, and if you had the ability to sit there and tap your helmet and be like, "Oh, that's a ball." Now I'm three-one, and you know, and 
instead of two, two or whatever it is. I don't, maybe, maybe it's not even a strikeout in the at bat. Maybe it's just something where it puts you in a more favorable hitters count. So yeah, it's a, it's a matter of time before that kind of happens. And I don't know about you as, as I get a little bit older, you know, I've always been kind of a stickler for, and I don't want to call it old school. That's kind of a term that's not used as much anymore, but I, I would consider myself a purist of the game. I, I like the least amount of change as possible. Um, but I'm very open-minded as well because this offseason, I'll be honest with you, when they told me they were they were putting a pitch clock in, uh, they were going to do this two two disengagement from the pitchers. I'm going to say, well, that's going to give the, the the elite base dealers such an edge. Little did I know. Look, you know, fast forward now to today, they did it for a reason. They did it to encourage running to get the running game back into the game. I thought the big bases were goofy. I, I, but I but I didn't care either way. It's like, all right, I have bigger bases. I don't care. But I really thought this pitch clock's going to be a problem, you know, from getting signs to, to uh, you know, I, I, I know, and you know this as a pitcher, as a second baseman, I'm going to look at Ryan Dempster if he's my if he's my starting pitcher and he gives me a look. I know he needs a breather. This is a time for me to, hey, time out. I'm going to come in. We're going to talk. We're going to talk about where we're going dinner night. I'm not there to to really sit there and, uh, conversate about particularly what's going on in the game. I just know you need a rest right now. And I was concerned about that with this pitch clock. Now I look at what it's done, uh, the swiftness of the games, the, the, I don't know everything about it. I actually hate to admit it, but I like it. I think it's been a good thing. I think it encourages the running game. I think it encourages being ready. I think subsequently, Guys are putting the ball in play a little bit more often. I haven't looked at the data, so I'm not sure. But it just seems like, oh, okay, I got to be ready as a hitter. Boom. Okay. It, I think naturally, organically, I'm going to put more balls in play because of that. The only thing I don't like, and I think it can be tweaked as time goes on. I don't like that eight-second engagement. I've got to engage you, the pitcher, at eight. Hey, now you can hold it on me, and now you can play those games. Whereas in the past, if you hold it on me, I can call time. And now it's a back and forth until we're both ready. Uh, other than that, though, I think it's been pretty solid. Yeah, I mean, a, a, a tremendous job. And I, I think the reason that you do like it, Booney, is the fact that, think about it, if you really wrap your head around it, that's kind of how we played. You yeah. know, like we played ready. Like there wasn't as many mound meetings. There wasn't as many like, you know, and I'll never forget this. 2012, Dave McKay, first base coach for the Arizona Diamondbacks, you know, Great coach, one of the best baseball men out there. Awesome dude. And we had a guy in right field, and Dave was going, and then like a pitch later, and then two pitches later, he's like, and I was like, went over to him. I go, Dave, what are you doing? He's like, well, I'm just positioning him, you know, to the to the count. I go, shouldn't he be doing that? You know, like he goes, yeah, but you know, we want to try and kind of just take as much off of their plate as we can, you know. And then I, and I remember saying to him, I go, this scares me. It scares me for multiple reasons because it scares me that you're taking instincts away from players. And that's to me that what really comes alive when you see big league ball players. And then you see like the really good big league ball players. And the, and then the elite is each level, just instincts are just higher and higher. It just, you don't take that away. And also too, like some people would say like, oh, you can't teach instincts. And I get that, but you kind of can, you know? So like, as an individual, you can teach yourself to pay attention to things and learn things. So I got nervous and I was like, and I said it to him, I was like, this makes me really nervous, man. It's like, we're going to like get to a point. And this was before this, that I was like, what's everybody going to have like two cards out there? It tells them where to stand. And sure enough, we do. And it's like, but why, why don't we have them? And then I watched, you know, a guy like Jason Hayward and for years in Chicago, elite defender, unbelievable right fielder. Did he have the piece of paper in his back pocket? Sure. But did he just – I watch him play right field and just how he moves around. And maybe every once in a while, like, there's a pitching change or right after an out, maybe he might take a look and be like, okay, you know, this guy – because you just lose track. Like, I, there's benefits to it. But I think that's what this did was it sped all that back up, and we don't need that. We have the best players in the world playing. And not only that, the best hitters in the world are swinging the bat. We went through this like kind of 10-year period where, and I get it, OPS, we pay for OPS, so OPS makes all the money. You know, we don't pay for somebody to hit 300. You know, we pay for you to slug 
you know, 850 is better than if you hit 220 and slug 850, you're getting a four year, $75 million deal. Right? Right. That's just how it is. So we pay for that and until we pay for 300, that's just where we're at. But so what's happened is, is we've made the best players in the world swing and offense is up because they're the best players in the world. They, they rake, man. I've, I, I retired because they rake, you know, like, I'm like, I'm good, dude. You guys are crushing it. So, like, I think that's one thing that's really promoted. And then what happens is we see great, great defensive plays because balls are being put in play. Guys are, you know that, when you're playing infield behind a guy who's walking the yard or nobody's swinging the bat, you just kind of get in that – it's hard to maintain that every pitch, here I am. But when it's working quick and guys are throwing, strikes are firing in there, guys are swinging the bat, guys are on their toes, now you're seeing the, the premier players in the world make great defensive plays because that's what they do too. So it's had this amazing trickle-down effect where we've had Pretty much just as many strikeouts, but more balls in play, more offense, more you know, more base hits. We have more guys hitting over 300 than we've had in the last however many years. Um, it's just it. There's all these great things about it. They they hit the nail on the head with the pace of play. Um, and to me, you know, all those other rules, I, I kind of almost just don't even realize they're there because this one has been so successful. I agree with you. I, it's been a home run, and I and I never thought I would say that, but <laughs> after watching it, it's like I'm in. This this was a really good thing. Um, you talk about the cue cards uh, I, as a defender. Now, let me tell the audience out there: Ryan played until t- through 2013 season. I was done. My last time with a uniform on was 2008. So you kind of got a little more of the current generation, not quite up to where we are now, but you had a little bit more of it than me. The cue cards scare me, but I understand uh, a lot of the things in baseball that maybe I don't agree with, you know, the, the angles and all this stuff. I think we're on a slippery slope with encouraging these kids that the most important thing is to walk and to hit the ball over the fence because everybody isn't born with that skill set. In the Omar Vizquel's of the world, uh, if you're told, if he's told from the age of 17, hey, your job is to hit the ball over the fence. Maybe you don't see an Omar Vizquel in today's game, an Ozzie Smith type player. So I'm a little hesitant to say, you know, there's some things that I just don't agree with. The cue card thing, they're brought up with it. They're they're taught from a young age. This is how we defend. High school. Where where we in in my generation, no. When you were elite defender, it, it's because you talk about those instincts and you study and you know tendencies and you know who's on the mound and you know who's in the box and you know when it's called for a fastball away and X X is on the mound. Well, I know it's usually going to be a fastball away and he's going to locate it. Usually in that particular situation, this particular hitter in this count, in this time of the game, this is what he tends to do. And as a defender, I had the, all, all that going into my mind. Ryan, it, it cracks me up when, when McKay was out there moving after about my third year in the big leagues, if you came out of the dugout and tried to tell me where to defend, it's almost like we're going to have a fight when I come back. How dare you tell me how to defend this hitter? I know how to defend him. But uh, nowadays, it's just like a cue card. Oh, yeah, I go to my ex right here, and and that's just the culture we've created. Yeah, and, we and you know, like I think there, there's multiple levels to it too, um, you know, when we, when we were playing, you know, and you before, you know, your peers before me, but pretty much, you know, like seeing it is we came to the field to play baseball and you got to, you went, hitters went to the cage, pitchers went and did their throw in, then you had your weight room work and you had your video work program. And then you have analytics, which are great. But like these guys now, man, like they're asked that they get asked, it's, can you do this interview? Can you be at this thing? we got a quick commercial shoot that we're going to do. We're also going to do a promo thing. And you got a group that you got to meet and you got to get to a hitters meeting and you got to get to an infielders meeting and you got to get to this, like every series of everything. So I, I understand a little bit more, I think, just kind of watching it from the outside and being around the locker room and being around the team and being around the Cubs, seeing these guys. I understand why they do that because it's like sometimes some stones can be left unturned because the guy has many distractions. And then you take personal distractions, right? We have social media that we didn't have guys in their lockers and they're sitting there on their phone and then they forget about where they're supposed to be during the game because they get distracted. That's just a reality of what's going on in the world. I think what teams try to do is to eliminate that, you know, and that's up, it's up where do you want to be from an elite standpoint? But um, do I, do I want to have my car? Great, but I'm also going to, learn for myself because we're our best teachers, we're our best coaches. Um, and so, you know, you kind of got to find that balance. 
when it comes to the analytics, that's the one thing I'll say about all those cards. I love analytics. I love them on a macro level. So on a totality level, they're great. And I love having all that information. I loved it as a player and stuff like that. But on a micro level, which each individual game is, and then you go even smaller and then you go to each individual bat and then you go to each individual pitch, you can kind of throw analytics, you know, out the window in a sense. Like, yeah, they're great. And I know that this guy might throw 2-1 breaking balls, you know, cool. But, like, if you tell me that Brett Boone, I, I, sh I should throw him 2-0 sliders because he's going to be sitting dead red. But if I don't throw you a 2-0 slider that's anywhere close or I can't throw for a strike and now you don't have to honor that, what great does that analytic do for me? I need people who can execute that data more than more than anything. So while it works on this, you know, 600 ABs, 200 innings pitched, you know, 162 games, and over time it's always going to play out and we can make our own analytics work because we take guys out the third time through the lineup and we take them out, they take them out, take them out. And then when we let him pitch the third time through the lineup, like in the end of May, and then he can't get through the third time through the lineup, we go, see? I'm like, well, yeah, you built me that way. You made it so that I can't instead right. of pushing it. So I think like there's so many elements to the analytics that have to go right, you know, like they just do and, they, and they're easier to answer. If I'm a manager of a team and I take a picture out because the analytics told me after the game, I don't even have to explain myself upstairs. They already know because they're like, yep, yeah, that was the move we talked about making right there because the analytics say it. But if I know in my gut it happens, if I know in my gut it happens as a manager of the team and I go, I really believe in this. You're going to stay in there. You're going to get this dump. You're going to keep going. And I go get the guy out. They're still going to have a meeting and say, why did you let him face him? The numbers don't say that. Like, isn't that crazy? I, I can get the guy out and we're still going to have a meeting yet. If I don't, if I'm going to make the move to the bullpen to a guy that we, by the way, another whole conversation, Booney, how all the continuity in baseball, right? All the conversations we have bench coach to manager, players to coaches, front office, analytics departments, all these conversations we have before a series starts. All these conversations that happen during a game, pitching coach, the, how does he look? I don't know. He kind of looks tired. Oh, he looks great. He's just getting his stuff going, you know? All these different conversations. What's the one conversation that ever happens? A pitcher warms up in the bullpen, and the bullpen coach never, zero times, will call down and say, you didn't look too good today, guys. Right. He's just doing his job. Because, But, like, where? why don't we have that? That's, like, the last missing piece. Like, let's yeah, have that. Should, At least have, have, have a guy going behind him so that – the inning doesn't get away from you. Now, if he goes out there and he goes great, cool. But at least we got a guy going. You know? The analytics to me, uh, uh, of course, you'd be ignorant to ignore it and be the old school. Well, we didn't yeah. do it in my day. You'd be ignorant to take that approach. Yep. I want as much data, intel as you can possibly give me as a hitter. And I'll decipher that. You talk about guts. I think the great managers use the analytics but at crunch time, they have a gut. The great managers are going to have the great gut. You mentioned uh, if you make the, if you don't make the change you're supposed to on paper and it works out, you're still going to be questioned about it. But if you go to the bullpen like the computer tells you to do and you give it up, hey, it's okay because we did yeah. the right thing. That was the it's, an e it's an easy out in the post game. You know, I, I watch Aaron manage and I said, well, we'll just make Make the computer move it, and you don't have to answer the bullshit question. Hey, the computer told me to do it. Nobody can question you, right? Yeah. Well, I don't think anybody's great doing it that way. That's how I – greatness is you take chance. You take you take risk. You don't do the layman thing that everybody does. As a manager, I'm going to come to the mound, and I'm going to know Ryan Dempster. I live with him. He's my one of the pitchers on my roster. And I'm going to know by a look, by a glance, by how he interacts with me, whether I'm going to take him out. I don't always go to the mound saying, I'm going to take you out. This is just me in my managerial role that I've never managed, but this is how I would go about it. I'm not going to the mound. Yeah. Sometimes you're coming out of the game. Sometimes you're not coming out of the game. And sometimes I'm not going to decide till I get there. Cause I know this man as an individual. I know how he walks. I know how he talks. I know looks he gives me. And I'm, sometimes I'm going to let you make the decision. And I might ask a question that doesn't even, I don't even care what the answer is. I care how you answered it. If that makes sense. Yeah. Those are all important things that aren't, 
I don't know. I, I love talking about that side of it because that's the real side of it. You talk about a 2-0 slider, a 0-2, he's a first ball, fastball hitter. It's a bunch of, it's a bunch of like, that is so elementary to me. It's like, you're going to throw me, he's a first pitch fastball. Well, is it Ichiro leading off the game and a no, nothing, nothing tie in the first? Or are you facing me in the eighth with a base open? Are you going to pitch yeah. the same way? Ryan, did you hang a slider to me early in the game? Right. And I hit it out. Well, maybe you're not going to go back to that slider crunch app, or maybe you're going to play that chess game and go back to it just for that reason. And I think that's the great cat and mouse chess game between hitter and pitcher. That's the real story. It's not about, oh, 2 1, he throws a slider 64% of the time. That's all nonsense. It's like, what happened in this game? You threw me a 2 0 slider and you made me look silly. Okay. That's fine. You threw me a 2-0 slider my next bat. You made me look silly again. Well, you're doing your job. I watched and, and, Cody Bellinger hit a hit a home run in Toronto the other day. Mm-hmm. First at bat, he came up. Threw him a first pitch changeup. What's Might he changing been. speeds off of? Nothing. Cody Bellinger hasn't seen a pitch yet. So to Cody Bellinger, that was just a kind of a fastball in the middle of the plate. You know, because there was no, we we. But that's what the that's what the number the analytics said that we've got to throw a, a changeup right here because he's really aggressive and in in cool. But you haven't thrown anything to give him any kind of change of speed, hitting his timing. So you haven't changed any timing right. yet, you know. And 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 you just get in that world. Another thing too, like you were talking about the manager visits and going out. What if I'm another pitcher on the team and we get into this pattern where it's six innings, six innings, six innings? Right? We all strive for something, right? We all want to be better each and every time we're out there and like you're, you're elite athletes. So you, you've been the best in high school. You've been the best in college. At some point you're the best, you know, like on your little league team. And then you get to the big leagues and everybody's good. So you have to figure out different ways when we can open things up in our minds that allow us to believe that we can better be better than we are. It's an incredible, powerful thing. Like John Bowles was, I had Jim Leland and then Jim left. And then John Bowles came in and he just let us play. And he's like, I don't care if you give up five, you don't give up any runs. You're pitching again five days from now. So learn, get better. And it was this opening thing where it just freed me up. So now I'm a pitcher on the team and the manager goes out to the mound and the analytics say I should take the guy out. But my gut, I'm watching this guy and he has been carving. I don't care that he just gave up a hit because that's the exception, not the rule right now, because this guy's been mowing. You know, like I watched Sean Manaya throw in relief the other day. They had, a, they had an opener, you know, the guy came in and opened the game up. And then Manaya came in in relief. He threw four no-hit innings and gave up one hit and they took him up. I'm like, this dude. And then they lost the game. And I'm like, you deserve to lose the game. But you it was deserve. okay that they lost the game because they yeah, called the computer. <laughs> but now imagine the manager goes out there and says, you doing okay? And you're like, yeah, man, I just missed with a fastball right there, but I feel real good. And he goes out there. Now he pitches well. Now every other pitcher in the dugout goes, wait, 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 we can go seven? We can go eight. We're allowed to go longer right. in the game. Let me work out a little bit harder. Let me work. Let me push a little bit more on that on that leg press. Let me let me bear down a little bit more on the side. Let me push myself a little bit more. It happens, and we can sit there and say, "No, no, no, it doesn't happen." No, we're human beings. We're not robots. We don't ever want to be robots. We're human beings, so we can. We, if we unlock that, and just using that gut, that that your eyes, the best litmus test you have is your eyes, no matter who you are. You know, like Lou, you play for Lou. I remember one time I, I, I finished the seventh inning. <clears throat> I was pitching against the Cardinals, and I went one, two, three against two, three, four. It was like uh, rolling Pujols and Langford. I don't remember what it was, but anyways, I know Pujols was one of them. And I finished the seventh inning with 106 pitches, right? And I'd given up some runs. I wasn't shut out, but I'd given up some runs early in the game, and I just started hitting my stride. I mean, it was dark, dark, dark. And Luke comes up and he goes, hey, son, you're good, right? You, you keep going? And I was like, yeah. He goes, yeah, I should have thought so, man. God, <laughs> she went through two, three, four, bottom of the lineup, even no problem. And I went out there and I actually had like a good inning again. I struck out a couple, but ended up, you know, running my pitch count up to just under 120. And he was like, okay, that's 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 good. And I was like, what, I can't go nine? He goes, well, use less pitches, you know. But it was just a great way of him using his eyes to go early on in the game, you stunk. But man, you figured it out right now. And so- right. I'm and I'm watching this game and I'm watching you. I'm just not looking at the computer ticker. Yeah. I, I the 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 human element has got to be a part of this. We can't to to a degree you can run it like Walmart, but but the players aren't Walmart employees. No. <laughs> They're world class athletes and it's Ferrari's- I don't 
bikinis. Exactly. Uh, question for you right now from a pitcher's perspective, uh, and these are the nuances that we deal with, depending on the year, depending on our team. Are we in the hunt? Are we not in the hunt? You're a starter. You're a reliever. Two different parts of your career. Mid-August, how you feeling right now? As a as a starting pitcher, as a reliever, does it matter if you're in the hunt? Does it matter if you're in last place? Yeah, I think it does matter um, from a psychological standpoint. You know, look what's happened to Lance Lynn, right? Like he leaves the White Sox where things are terrible. You walk in every day and there's just angst. There's like this dark cloud over the entire ballpark. You know, like team stinks. We're not playing hard. You know, I go out there. I'm giving everything I got. Now I go to L.A. and everything's exciting. The guys are smiling every day. Everybody's got a smile on their face. Immediately, you're like, ah. and then you're, you go out there in the bottom of the first, and they put up a fourth spot for you. You're like, whoa, you know, and they're they're making every play behind you because they're running hard. That ball that goes in the gap, the guy doesn't score from first base. The ball that, you know, gets cut off, and instead of the guy turning it a double, he's held at first. Now the ground ball to second turns into a double play. It's all of these different things that winning teams do versus losing teams do, and as pitchers, you know, we only control so much. We control the pitch we throw, which obviously is a big part of it. But, you know, it does matter. And so I think, like, you can get this shot of adrenaline. Look, Max Scherzer, he's dominated since he went to Texas. Dominated. You know, because there's this shot of, like, I don't have to deal with all this other stuff that's going on right now and this negative energy that comes when you're on losing teams. I know I was on plenty of them. I was on winning teams, too, and I feel the difference. I could feel it. Um, so as a starter – you know, that makes a, a big difference. I think managing your workload in August, you know, throwing less on the side, just making sure as I got older, I realized how important that was. Um, and then as a reliever, as long as you weren't overtaxed or you used a lot in April or May, um, this is this is prime time, man. This is when you just start feeling good. You know, I loved throwing a lot as a reliever. The more I threw, the better I was. It was the those times where you're not throwing for three, four days and you get rusty and then you're fighting yourself. Um, but yeah, this is, this is prime time and, and you're, you're rip roaring ready to go. Cause like, if you think about it, you're all, you're 50, 60 innings as a reliever right now, you know, 40 or 50 innings, wherever it is, you're just kind of starting to hate your stride. I think teams do a good job of trying to get the relievers to the right place come October. So yeah, as a, as a starter, I back down a lot of things, workouts, um, you know, those kind of things. Cause it's hot. You want to make sure that the most important thing is five days from now, you're ready to go. Talk about your career a little bit. 95, you're a third-round pick of the Rangers. Get traded in the minor leagues to the Marlins. Make your debut in 98. Uh, you're an all-star in 2000. Play there till 02. You go to the Reds. You get you play for Bob Boone for a few. Uh, your teammates, I believe, with Aaron, right, at the time? He was my roomie. When I got traded over, he said, hey, you want to come stay with me until you find a place? I didn't want to leave. But eventually kicked me out. I'm looking at your skippers. You had Dusty, you had Pinella, Lou, and you mentioned Lou earlier. I mean, uh, to this day, I mean, we started so rocky. I mean, when I was a kid and my attitude had just get off my lawn and I got this skipper coming from Cincinnati, they'd won a World Series, and they told me all about Pinella. And I just thought my first spring training went like, this is a mean man. I don't like this guy, and he's just busting my balls all the time. Fast forward, I come back and play for him the second half of my career at Cincinnati, and to this day, not only my favorite manager of all time, one of my favorite men that I've ever been around in the game of baseball. And uh, I don't know. I, it's You bring him up, he always puts a smile on my face. At the All-Star game, where, yeah. where we got to catch up a little bit. I got to spend a little time with Skip, and uh, it was cool because I'd wind him up that that was kind of my job back when I played for him. It was my job to wind him up. Like, hey, Skip, can you believe what happened today? I love winding him up. Oh, and get him on one of those rants and let him go. And he just, yeah, Boone, what do you think about this? Da, 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 da. I won't get into the specifics because sometimes they're not G-rated. But, uh, oh, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Pretty unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, he, he was just one of those guys, you know, that um, he, he was hard. He was hard around the edges. You know, he was hard as a player. Like, his upbringing was hard. And then, you know, he, he fought and scrapped and clawed in New York. Like he played in a tough town and in, a, in an era where that's kind of how guys played. And so I understood all that about him, but there was this tremendous soft side to him. Um, when you got away from that, you know, a, a great love for family, um, you know, and, 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 you know,
know, I think everything he went through when his mom passed away really opened that up, like in a big way, his heart grew a lot then just probably sitting there going, man, I could have a little bit more compassion for some people at times. Um, you know, we saw him in the end of his managerial career, right? So he, he was a, a little bit more like, you guys just go play. I'll take care of the media and do the interviews and all that kind of stuff. But if you stood up to him, I, I felt like in, in the right way, you know, like he, he came out in Cincinnati and my first game ever closing for him with the Cubs, it was, it was 2007. And, uh, I hadn't pitched since Friday in Vegas and Booney, you know how those Vegas trips go when you go play <laughs> exhibition games there. Let's no, just, I have no idea. Yeah. I threw more, <laughs> I threw more chips around than baseballs, I think that weekend. So, um, but it was, it was, you know, one of those things where I hadn't pitched in like five or six days. I get the first guy out, I walk in Carnacion, we're winning eight one and he comes out to the mound and, basically told me like what's your problem throw the ball over the plate and then the next day i go into his office and i said hey skip can i talk to you he goes what is it son i go hey i'm your, your closer right like i'm the closer of the team and he's like yeah and i go well like shouldn't the only reason you come to the mound and be take me out because i've blown a save like i don't need a pep rally you know this is my first year in the league and he goes oh okay not one time did he come back out unless he was saying give me the ball that was it and after that moment our relationship was great you know and and really great. And he, he treated me and my family really well. And yeah, it was great to see him at the all-star game too. I, I love him. Yeah. He's one of those guys. If, if, if he respects you, he's got to respect you as a man and as a baseball player, mm-hmm. but if he respects you in both aspects, uh, that, that man will take a bullet for you. He really will. And if he doesn't respect you in one of those categories, you might want to move on because life can, I've, I've seen him make life tough on some, some players. Um, had Smolty on recently and, and you, you went a similar route. You're a starter. You became a closer and then you were a starter again. How tough was that for you? What did you enjoy more? Uh, you know, tough wise, It wasn't that hard. It was kind of an interesting kind of dynamic. So what what had happened was after I had my surgery in Cincinnati and Kremchuk did my elbow in 2003, Cubs signed me uh, that Chris Carpenter deal that he did back in the day with the Blue Jays where it was like one year plus a team option if you're healthy. So the Cubs did the same thing. They're like, listen, you can rehab with the team. If you're healthy, we'll pick up the option, the team option. So – I was rehabbing as a starting pitcher. Everything I was doing was a starting pitcher, but we had Pryor, Wood, Maddox, Clement, Zambrano in our rotation. Let's just say I didn't fit in, you know, like, and they were all pitching well. This was 04. So I'm, I'm rehabbing away and I'm making start after start and a ball and then triple a, I'm down in Iowa. And I just called up bake and I was like, dusty and, and Jim Henry. And I was like, guys, like I'm healthy. I'm throwing the ball great. Like, what if I relieve and then instead of start? And they're like, you would do that? And I'm like, well, yeah, I'd much rather pitch for us in the big leagues than pitch in the minor leagues again. You know, like, so I did a couple relief appearances, never really had relief since my, you know, um, my beginning of my career, a couple of relief appearances. And, uh, and it went well. You know, it was weird coming back from Tommy John because you have these ups and downs where some days you know exactly where the ball's going and nothing hurts, but the next day you throw it off the backstop. Like, it's just – what happens, you know, you just kind of have these inconsistent moments and then got in a groove. Dusty was pitching me a lot, felt great, you know, finished the year good. Um, we didn't make the playoffs, come to spring training 05, you're going to start. So I, I make six starts and we can't save any games. Latroy was struggling and Dusty's like, hey, man, can you, can you close? And I was like, all right, cool, let's do this, you know. Um, and so then 05 was a magical year. I mean, it's 33 of 35 and saves. Uh, and give up a run in September. It was it was a good tear to go on. 06 start out great, and then we just hit a rut. I wasn't closing any games out. I wasn't pitching well when I when I did come in. Um, and then 07, and then Lou said, "Hey, I'm going to give you a shot to start again." And hands down, I mean, I love starting. Like relieving's great. The the chance to contribute each and every day for your team um, is is pretty awesome. But as a starting pitcher, man, like you know, there's a there's a big onus on every fifth day that right you, you can you can stop losing streaks you can keep winning streaks going you i mean there's a reason why starting pitchers are getting paid 40 million dollars a year to pitch because you can really change the dynamic of your team you can save a bullpen so i took a lot of pride in that and and plus you know you know i like to golf so it's four days off in between are pretty tasty 
And from a position player standpoint, it is. We rely on you, especially the year. Oh, wait, you come back, you're an all-star, you win 17 games. I know that year uh, when Ryan comes into the into the locker room and it's his day to start, I know we got a good chance tonight. And that's huge from a psychological standpoint on the position players in that room. When you have, we're having one of those good years, we got a couple starters that are, they're having really good years. Man, it, it feels good to walk in and go, all right, he's pitching tonight. We got a chance. So you have a good outlook going in. And I've been on those years where our, our rotation was having a tough time and it's like, wow, we're going to have to fight and we're going to have to, you know, do everything we can to win this game tonight. Well, and you uh, know, too, as a hitter, dude, like when you got good stuff, what's going to happen, you're going to have a lot of leads. So who are you facing? The B relievers. Exactly. But when, you're, exactly. when you're down all the time, now I got to face the setup guy and the closer every right. night. I think about that. I think about that all the time. And on the really good years that I had, personally and team-wise, it's like I never have to face those nasty guys. They're always got the mop-up guy coming in. Yep. That's why my average was better than it normally is. Um, You finish in, in Chicago, you go to the Rangers, uh, and then you finish your – it ends up being your last last year. And I thought this was the cool part. When I'm going through your your life and your, and your career, you know, so – we start this game for a reason. We want to be big leaguers. We become big leaguers. We want to be all stars. We become all stars. We want to. We want to win. We want to go to the postseason. You had some some postseasons in your career, uh, but the ultimate is winning that World Series. And not too many of us get not only get a chance, but to, a lot of great players they don't even get to a World Series, let alone win one, let alone win multiple. Uh, I thought it was really cool. Your final year, 2013, with the Red Sox. You win a ring. Now, you've been to the postseason, I think, two or three times before that? Yeah, three times before that, yeah. Three times. Was there anything different about that 2013 year? Well, this year this year is different. And and you end up winning in your final year. It, it's pretty awesome uh, topping to, to a pretty good, pretty, pretty great career for Ryan Dempster. Take me through if there was a difference and what it was like doing it in Boston. Yeah, there was a difference. I think, you know, given the kind of, you know, circumstances that took place with the Boston bombing, um, I started that day on April 15th, Patriots Day, um, you know, and leaving the ballpark after the game. And we have the police motorcade that takes us to the airport all the time. And all of a sudden, boop, 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 they all just leave. You know, we didn't, nobody, I think Will Middlebrooks had Twitter and he's like, there's a bombing, you know, downtown. And, and so then they got us out. We went to Cleveland, um, you know, the comeback from Cleveland, the game canceled because they still hadn't caught the guy. And then after they caught the guy and then before Poppy, he went out there and, and had his, you know, moment where he dropped, this is our fucking city stuff. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, the best was he goes, I don't know what I'm going to say yet, but you're not going to want to miss it. Uh, which I thought was really awesome. Uh, but we walk in the locker room, and in our locker room on Saturday uh, before the game was uh, the governor, the mayor, the head of the chief of police, the head of the FBI, the head of the Secret Service, um, you know, multiple special forces, police officers, firefighters. And Booney couldn't move, dude. It was just jam-packed in there. And I remember Johnny Gomes looking at me and going, Ryan, look around. We can't lose dude. Like we have all these people with us. And I think for the first time in my career on any team I'd ever been on, we didn't give two shits about the other teams. We didn't care. We didn't care how good you were. We didn't care how bad you were. We didn't, we only cared about ourselves and what we could do as a unit together. We just cared about going out there and trying to out execute you. You know, if somebody didn't get it done, the other guy was going to get it done. It was almost like that was the mentality. It's like, if you don't get it done, well then I'll get it done. And to, and took it as a, as a, as a, an excite, excitement instead of like, oh, I got to get this done. It was like, oh, wait, wait, I, I get to do it. I get to be the one that gets the walk off hit. I get to be the one that ends the winning streak or losing streak. You know, so there was like this great, powerful, encompassing, tight unit of, we didn't, the outside noise was just noise. No matter what anybody was saying at any point, like Johnny Gomes told the ground screw guy to paint our name on the top of the scoreboard. So it's like Boston, Tampa Bay. They have like the, the leaders in the AL East. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He walks over and goes, hey, Chief, just paint it up on the top. And he goes, this is in May. And he goes, I don't know where the other ones are going to fall, but you can go ahead and paint ours right there. 
And it's really how it was. It was we were just so self-consumed with us and what we could do. Um, you know, it was it was incredibly special. And like, you know, and then to know the last pitch I ever threw in the big leagues was a strikeout end game one of the World Series. You know, it was just like you think about that moment like as a kid in your backyard and you mentioned being a big leaguer, like, oh you're I'm thinking I'm, you know, Jack Morris in game seven of the World Series. Well, that was my Jack Morris moment. You know, it was like I'm in the World Series game one and and to get out of that. And the best the best, by the way, speaking of Johnny Gomes, so I gave up a rat. We were winning eight nothing. I gave up a rather long home run, a solo shot to Matt Holiday. I thought a changeup was a good pitch to throw him, and uh, <clears throat> and so he crushes it. And we're in the shower afterwards, and we're you know you're celebrating, but it's like game. You're not celebrating a lot. You're just excited, you know. And Johnny's showering up, and he looks over me. He goes, "Hey Ryan, good thing you gave up that home run, huh?" And I go, "What?" He goes, "Well, if you would have finished with a zero ERA, nobody would have thought you pitched." <laughs> that's true that is true i was like yeah you oh he must he must have been he must have missed that one they must not have used him um yeah pretty awesome yeah, and it's incredible. you know because we all go through it and i remember i remember 95 is the first time i went to the playoffs and we ran into that buzzsaw braves team you know i was on a good cincinnati reds team 94 we were we were great. Then that was a strike year. Then 95, we go to the postseason. And I'm just thinking at that point, you know, we got beat by the Braves. It was a great team. But I thought, man, I'm going to I'm gonna get two or three rings. It's This is going to be easy peasy. You know, I got to go to a World Series in 99. Got my butt kicked by the by the uh, Yankees. But I I look back and the guys that were able to, to win a ring, it, it's so special. Uh, like I said, because there's a lot of guys out there, man, a lot of great players that not only didn't get to win a ring, didn't even get to have a chance. didn't even get to go to a World Series. Uh, so pretty awesome, pretty awesome way to end your career. You retire after after that year. You, you I, I don't think you retired like right away. You kind of said, I need some time with my family. You end up retiring in, in 14, 132 wins in your career, 87 saves, World Series champion. That's the way you finished. Um, Okay, I want to get to this, and this will be the final segment. I know I've kept you a long time. I want to get to, uh, let you go, but crystal ball this season, uh, six teams. Who are your six National League teams? Obviously, the Braves. I'll get that one out of the way for you. That's a that's a for sure, and probably now Dodgers with the with the math. You can't really catch the Dodgers. All right, go from there. So my other four are going to be Milwaukee, okay, Philadelphia. The Cubs. The Cubs. You're throwing the Cubs at. I throw the Cubs in there. They might win the division if they're not careful. Um, and then my last team, and I'm going to throw them in there, is I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to sneak on the line here and say the Marlins. Marlins have been doing some special things. They've been doing some weird stuff. Yeah, and then and you know they made all these trades. They kind of like trading deadline, kind of like what the Braves did a couple years ago when they added like Duvall and Rosario, and they weren't like these big splash pieces, but they're all these little pieces. Um, and then I just like when I along the lines, I mean, I'm a pitcher and I look at Alcantara who's throwing the ball great right now. Yeah. He, you know, he doesn't have the peripheral numbers of the Cy Young, but you know, he's leader in the major leagues and innings pitch and he's a stud and he's throwing well. And you got, you know, Lazardo who's turning himself into what everybody expected him to be in Oakland. You know, a guy left, they have that lefty, um, Braxton Garrett, another kid stud. I worry, and then Yuri Perez. I, I really wish they wouldn't have sent Yuri Perez down. I wish they just would have let him keep pitching because it's tough to win ball games in the big leagues, and he was on this great roll trying to limit innings. I get that, but you know he got four really good, solid starting pitchers. So I, I just like that over the course of the next however many weeks you know we got left was seven weeks or so. So yeah, that's those are those are my teams right there. It was between the Marlins and the Giants. I, I could see the Giants doing it too. They just find a win way to win ball games. Gabe Kapler's a good manager. American League, same same question. Yeah, well, Texas, Texas for sure. Minnesota. I mean, the AL Central division is terrible. And Minnesota terrible. actually play good baseball right now, so um, they might run away with that. Um, you know, in the, in the East, Baltimore to me is the best team in baseball. Um, and I'm not taking anything away from the Braves or the Dodgers. I think the Braves are unbelievable too. But as far as top to bottom, back into the bullpen, good luck with the the mountain there. Bautista at the yeah. end, I, yeah, he makes me, and I, I, I'm well past the age where you can consider it, but he really makes me 
glad I don't have to grab a bat. When I watch Batista, I'm like, are you kidding me? Oh my I'd, I'd have to go hit that right now. And what a good job Brandon Hyde is doing of managing that, by the way. Like he had like that, he blew a save against Houston and then he had a tough outing. And then they had like a save opportunity a couple days later. And he's like, no, I'm just, I've rode this guy hard. I'm going to let him just breathe a little bit. And then I'm going to ride him hard again down the stretch. So yeah, I think they make it. So we got, we got Baltimore, Texas, Houston, Minnesota. And I'm going to say Toronto. And I'm going to say, I'm gonna, okay, here's, I'm going to, I'm going to just totally dive out deep here. Okay. I'm doing this for you because you're a Mariner. I'm going to say the Mariners make it and Tampa Bay falls out. Tampa Bay. They lost McCl- Shane McClanahan. McClanahan, yeah. Tyler Glasnow's hurting again. There's, there's the Wander Franco stuff that's going on. There's all kinds of these other things, you know. And remember, look at their, look at their numbers since their red hot 29. And right, seven. right. They, they have fallen a lot. Wow. Yeah. I didn't expect that to be. I, I, I would say if you said Seattle instead of Toronto, I'd say, okay. But yeah. the Tampa Bay, that's a big call. Seattle, Seattle Toronto rematch again this year. That'd be awesome. The Seattle thing for me is, and I said it all along because they, I, in my opinion, they played below expectations all year. I look at, because I see, I keep a special eye on them and I see that starting rotation and it is elite. Those young pitchers, that Kirby kid is, he's going to win a Cy Young one day. Uh, you got Gilbert. You name a better one, two, three in the league. I don't know if there is Castillo, right? And and then they're bringing these young kids up, and they're doing a good job. Yeah. So in that bullpen solid, they they get rid of Seawall at the at the deadline. I'm kind of going. They blew a save last night when they yeah. normally would have Seawall there. They don't have there. I don't know why they did that. They creep back in. They were they were in the wild card, and now they lost three in a row. So yeah, I I, I like your call in Seattle that they 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 just pitch an awful lot to not make it. But uh, that'll be interesting. All right. AL champs, NL champs. Who's going to the World Series? Uh, AL champs, I'm going to go with the Baltimore Orioles. I want to see the Texas Rangers. Uh, to me, that's a tough pick. Those two teams, and especially with Texas, with Bochi leading the way there. Right. Um, and, you know, when you look at their offense, man, good God, do they swing the bats. Um, and then getting Max Scherzer. But I just, there's something about the Oriole magic. I don't know what it is. I've been riding it all year, so I'm sticking with it. I'm going to say the Orioles are going to play. The oh man, I'm gonna say the Atlanta Braves, the Orioles, and the Braves in the World Series. And who wins? Who, At one point, that'd be fun. Who wins it? I I have a feeling what you're gonna say. Let's go. And it ain't go. it ain't gonna be the Braves. <laughs> Let's go, Baltimore. Let's do it. Come on, All right, I love I love yeah. it. You heard it here, right, Dempster? He's got the the Orioles. That will be impressive because I didn't think you were gonna go that way. I I have to admit. You know, Baltimore, I thought it was a good story for a while. Oh, it's, it's a great story. Baltimore's been in the basement for so many years. They keep doing it. They keep doing it. And they're winning, they're winning those tight games. They're, they're winning those run, one-run ball games. Like you said, the back end of that pen is, is pretty darn nasty. And, and they got something about them. You know, you've been, on, you've been on teams like that where you just kind of know. You take the field, and the other team knows you know. Yep. Like, hey, it's, it, it, it's five to four in the seventh. And we've got four, but you know we're going to come get you. And that looked like, yeah, we do know you're going to come get us. Baltimore kind of has that look right now. So so I understand where you're coming from on that. Uh, Demp, this has been awesome, man. I appreciate you coming on. In, give me a lot of insight. I love I love hearing what other guys that, that are in this game, watching these games every day, their opinions and, and, and what they see. And as much as we differ on some things we agree on most things i mean i see a lot of things just that players those players eyes you know uh, of what we see and and i really appreciate you coming on best of luck to all your ventures you got so many things going on and i'm gonna i'm gonna hold you to this and and we'll catch up when we catch up for all those out there watching the boom podcast i appreciate you watching for those listening appreciate you listening we'll see you next time